0: This is Messenger Insight, a podcast program brought to you by Oklahoma Baptist and the Baptist Messenger. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this special edition of Messenger Insight. I'm Brian Hobbs, your host. Joined with Josiah Presley, who uh, has a great ministry here in Oklahoma and an incredible testimony we'll be hearing about today. Thanks for joining us, Josiah. Thanks for having me on, Brian. Glad to be here. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about where you serve in the ministry context.
1: Yeah. So I'm actually a student minister at North Point Baptist Church uh, in Deer Creek. Uh, I've just been there for a little under a year now. Uh, Before that, I was uh, serving at churches in Texas. I grew up in Oklahoma and so was able to make the migration back home. I'm really excited to be there. I serve students 7th through 12th at my church there. That's awesome. That's a busy work. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, so... I've, I've been blessed to hear your testimony, uh, and I thought we could just take some time and talk about what God did in your life, the, the earliest stages of your life, and uh, go from there.
1: Yeah. So uh, I'm adopted. Uh, I'm adopted from South Korea. I was adopted when I was 13 months old. Um, I grew up in a, a a very Christian home. My dad, he's actually the pastor of worship at the church I grew up in. It's a Trinity Baptist church in Norman. Uh, my mom, she's a children's uh, minister there. And so grew up uh, in a very Christian home. It was never a question uh, where our faith uh, was as a family. I grew up in a very particularly pro-life Home. I know part of the reason we're shooting this podcast is talking about uh, Rose Day coming up. So I grew up going to Rose Day as a young child. We would go up there and uh, take, you know, roses to our legislators and, you know, encourage them to pass pro-life legislation. Um, But growing up, uh, what I realized and really the truth of the matter was I grew up with all these Christian convictions. I, I made a profession of faith at a young age. Um, But if I'm honest with you, I I never really cared what it meant to be pro-life, particularly. Uh, I just knew it was something that our family was. I knew it was pro-life convictions that caused my parents to adopt. Uh, Me and my siblings, I'm I'm one of 12 kids, 10 of us being adopted. And so it was those pro-life convictions and their Christian convictions that drove them to adopt us. But if I'm honest, those pro-life convictions, they never really mattered to me. Mm -hmm. I just knew we had them, but they didn't really matter to me. Um, I can tell you when they started to matter to me. They started to matter uh, at the age of 13, and my adopted parents, they sat down, and they told me a little bit more about my uh, adoption story and the circumstances that surrounded it. They told me about how my birth parents in South Korea, actually two months into my birth mother's pregnancy with me, she had a DNC abortion. This is a type of abortion where the doctor goes into the mother's womb and and rips the baby apart and brings them out in pieces. Uh, At the time, at the age of 13, uh, this was uh, something that was very difficult for me to take in. It was very difficult for me to swallow. Um, I was glad they told me that. Uh, as part of my story as an adopted kid, you know, one of the things you're always wanting to know is more about your story. Where'd you come from? Why are you here? Um, And so it was a very difficult thing for me to hear, but I was glad they told me it. But um, if I'm honest with you, I was not personally in a very good place in my life at that point. So growing up, um, I have a deformed arm, if you're watching this podcast, you can see it on the video, right? Um, And so I had a lot of self-image issues. Uh, I had a lot of self-value issues. Uh, I struggled uh, with feelings that I was worthless. I, I struggled feeling I had no purpose in life, that I would go nowhere in my life. And what I did to find value and purpose as a young child was I found purpose and value in being a good Christian kid. Uh, I did all the right Christian things. I found identity in being that kid who was active in his youth group. I found purpose in being that kid who uh, my friends wanted their kids to hang out with Josiah. Cause if mm-hmm. a little Timmy was hanging out with Josiah, there's no way Timmy could be getting in trouble. <laughs> right? Cause Josiah was going to be a good influence on yeah. them. And so I found a lot of purpose, a lot of identity and being a good Christian kid. Um, but all the while, I struggled with feelings of worthlessness, feelings that I had no value, no purpose. I struggled with a lot of anger towards my birth parents mm. for the decisions they had made for me. Uh, where the change occurred in my life, though, was the summer after my sophomore year of high school. I was at False Creek, so mm-hmm. a church camp here in Oklahoma, right? Yeah. If yeah. you're an Oklahoman, you know yeah, about Brother this Nell's camp, in Oklahoma, right? yeah. Um, and I remember the pastor that week, the preacher that week, his name was John Randalls, and he kept talking all week long um, about power and how as followers of Christ, uh, God imparts us this power uh, to overcome temptations, trials, difficulties, sin, even death itself through the power of Jesus and and what he did for us on the cross. And I was was confronted with two realities uh, at camp that week. The first reality I was confronted with was the fact that I didn't have that power in my life. Hmm. I, I professed faith as a young age, at a young age, but I don't think I really understood what it meant. I did all the right Christian things, but in the reality, I did not have that power in my life. And the second thing I was confronted with was the reality that I was extremely arrogant, uh, because even though I felt I had no value, even though I felt I had no worth or purpose, I was extremely arrogant because I believed by doing all these good Christian things, I could earn favor in God's eyes. I can make him love me, mm-hmm. that I could earn my salvation with him. Well, I wouldn't have ever said that, but in reality, that was my mindset. That was where my heart was at. And so I remember um, going down the Thursday night of that camp for the altar call, surrendering my life to Jesus. And, and it, so much of my life changed after that. Not so much in my actions. Um, I was already doing the right Christian things, but uh, more so in my heart, my motivations. Uh, as I progressed. And as I continued in my walk with Christ, I started to find value and worth not in who I am or the things I do, but in who Jesus is and what he's done for me. My value wasn't caught up in what I thought I would accomplish, but it was caught up in the reality that the God of the universe loved me so much that when I was far from him, he came down to this earth, lived the perfect life I cannot live, died the death I deserved, and then rose from the day to dead, the grave, to prove he'd be in sin and death and give me the promise um, that I can have a restored relationship with him through his son, Jesus. And I found value and purpose in who he was, who he is, not who I am or what I would do, but what he wanted to do in and through my life. And as I found that value and purpose, I found worth, uh, I found forgiveness, you know, it's really difficult to hold on to anger towards people who have hurt us uh, in light of the cross. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. yeah. we think about the reality of the fact that at one time we were enemies of God with our faces set against Him, and He still came, died on the cross for us. Wow. Uh, it's really hard to hold on to anger towards others for the wrongs they've committed against us. So I found forgiveness, value, purpose, worth. And uh, as that transformed me uh, in in my middle to late high school years, uh, it then changed the way I interacted um, in my faith. Uh, The Lord then uh, used me. He was able to call me into um, vocational ministry in mm-hmm. the church, which is what I do now. I, I've been on that track, that trajectory since the lat, late years of high school. It determined the college I went to, um, the churches I've served at, uh, but it also has an altered the role I play in the pro-life movement. And since my senior year of high school, I've been able to have the blessing uh, to share my story with different uh, pro-life groups, different pregnancy centers, churches, um, and and just share uh, the value of human life, and, and and share the truth of the gospel that Jesus cares about us, and He cares about the unborn. And, and as believers, we've been called to care about those around us, the born neighbors, and then also the unborn neighbors. Wow, that's so powerful. What a what a life change He did in your yeah. heart, Josiah,
0: and then yeah. putting you into ministry. Um, you know, I've heard and talked with. If, or seen a few testimonies of people who survived Mm -hmm. an attempted abortion, sort of aborted and lived to tell about it. And when you stop back and think about uh, the tragedy of human abortion and just how many lives have been lost and snuffed out due to it, not just statistics, but real boys and girls, to think that God spared you through that. And here you are. We're having this conversation today. Um, When you talk about... The pro-life issue, or abortion, or the unborn—you know—it can be a divisive issue. And talking about it in the right ways that mm-hmm. persuade people yeah. to the pro-life position. What have you experienced with that, and through your testimony, as you've
1: started to share this more? Yeah. So, so when I share my testimony with groups, I, I always challenge them in a couple ways. Uh, and one of the ways I challenge them is I challenge them to care about their convictions that they hold. Uh, if you are a follower of Christ. You don't have to read the Bible very long to recognize that God is pro-life. Uh, even in the very beginning of our Bible, right? In Genesis 1, it talks about God creating us in his image. That, that human beings are created uniquely valuable because we're created in the image of God. Yes. Um, and even though we sin, even though we fail, we're still valuable in his eyes. Uh, But the second thing I challenge people with is to not just care about those values, care about those convictions, care about those truths, but to care well about those convictions and those truths. Because for me, for a number of years after I found out about uh, my birth parents' uh, abortion decision, I started to care about what it meant to be pro-life, but I didn't care well because I all of a sudden demonized anybody on the other side of the argument. Mm. I demonized pro-choice people. I demonized post-abortive women, uh, abortion doctors, uh, Planned Parenthood workers, all of them. I thought they were the worst people ever. Uh, And and one thing that the Lord really worked in my life was a conviction that if I'm going to say that the unborn, their lives matter because they're created in the image of God, I also have to value my born neighbor, right? I can't say I care about, I love the unborn because they're image bearers of God and completely ignore the fact that the people on the other side of the argument are also image bearers of God who are valuable, who, who deserve to be loved, not because of the choices they've made, not because of the things they're doing, but because of the fact that they are created in the image of God because God loves them. And because God loves them, he calls me to love them as well. And so as I, uh, as I found forgiveness in Jesus, as I found life in Jesus and purpose in Jesus, it changed the way I viewed others. And that should be true of every believer as we more and more understand who Jesus is, as we more and more understand our sin and and our need for forgiveness and the forgiveness we find in Jesus, that ought to change the way we interact with and love those around us, no matter what side um, of the fence they're on. Good
0: word, good
1: word. When
0: you think about abortion as well, you think of that life snuffed out, but also what would have come from that life. And I thought you could tell us a bit about your family, yeah. and what God's done through your life with that.
1: Yeah. So, so one of the most uh, beautiful things I love to share um, when, I'm, when I'm just sharing about how uh, living out our pro-life convictions changes generations, uh, my family, 12 kids, 10 of us adopted. All, all 10 of us who were adopted had no future, had no hope before we were adopted. Hmm. Um, very bleak. Outlooks on lives. So I have siblings who were adopted out of literal orphanages. I have siblings who are adopted out of crisis pregnancy situations. I, it, it, it goes on and on the situations that they were adopted out of. And, and I'm reminded through my parents' faithfulness in adopting these kids who had no future, who had no hope, who had no inheritance, who had no name. I'm reminded of the gospel of Jesus, right? These people who owed these kids nothing. They would pay the cost, pay the price to adopt them who had no future, who had no hope, bring them into their family and give them inheritance in the same way the gospel does that for us. A people who had no hope, who had no future, who had only judgment before us, that the God of the universe would pay the price. His son, when we are far away, who he, and he owed nothing to us, would pay the price of his son to bring us into relationship with him, to give him us a future to give us hope. And in my family, I've seen it played out in my siblings. uh, One of the beautiful things um, I I just had, just back in February of this year, we were able, my wife and I were able to welcome our first child into our family. And and I think about like that life, the life of my daughter, Julia, so precious, so beautiful, so wonderful, that life would not exist If it had not been for God's intervention in my life when I was in my mother's womb, but that life also would not exist if it had not been for my parents' faithfulness as followers of Christ to adopt a little Korean boy thousands of miles away who they owed nothing to to make their son. And and it changes and it affects generation to generation to generation when we live out what we believe and when we live it out well.
0: Wow. Good word. So... Uh, Abortion survivors, uh, Gianna Jensen, Melissa Mm -hmm. Oden, Josiah Presley, Melissa had shared her testimony at Rose Day several years back. And then in 2024, we have you set to speak and share your testimony at the Rose Day Pro-Life Indoor Rally. It'll be on a Wednesday. February 7th, inside, not outside, (laughs) inside the Capitol. And Josiah will be sharing the full story of his testimony. We'll be promoting that in The Baptist Messenger, but we're so excited for that. Josiah, you you are around a lot of young people, Uh students. When it comes to this topic... What are you seeing that encourages you, and what are some challenges you think we need to overcome when communicating our biblical convictions on this with
1: with this new generation? Yeah, so I think uh, what we see a lot with this generation is this is a generation that wants a cause. Uh, This is a very justice-driven generation. We see it all over social media. We see it on the news. We see it everywhere that this generation is for justice. And so when we talk about it in the pro-life arena, I think really what we need to do is we need to, as a church, we need to make clear, right? Our pro-life conviction, right? This is something that evangelicals have gotten better at. Obviously for the last decades, the Catholic church, they have, I mean, they have led, they have led the pro-life movement in this way and clearly articulating a pro-life ethic. Uh, Evangelicals, we've become better. We need to continue to do better. I think another thing we need to do, and many churches, it'd be so easy for them to do this uh, if they just take the steps. We need to show this generation how they can be involved in in living out those pro-life ethics. Right? There are pregnancy centers around. There are adoption agencies. There are so many ways young people can be involved. And so as a church, we need to show young people why we're pro-life. And then we also need to connect them with the resources to show them how they can live it out. And I think they'll take it and they'll run with it. And we've seen them do it. We've seen organizations all throughout the nation. um, There's so many youth-led pro-life organizations, but there could be more. And and maybe as a church, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, maybe that's something you should be praying about, how you can mobilize your students in that way. That's powerful. So years ago, we were dealing with
0: An abortion minded situation and an attempted abortion, and God saves your life. And now, look Mm -hmm. at you today. Listening to this podcast today, someone perhaps scrolling through and stops to listen, they might be in an abortion vulnerable situation. And through our ministries, we want to be there for people and say, We are here to help you. What would you want that uh, mom, that abortion vulnerable mom, or those parents to to hear from you, from your vantage point? What would you want them to know about? Uh, God and, and just this situation. Yeah.
1: No, I would, I would want anybody who's in that position um, to first like understand, I, I know they're difficult positions. Uh, they're difficult circumstances that we find ourselves in all the time. But I want them to know that first, they're valuable, right? Even if they feel like they've made wrong decisions, mistakes, whether they think they're a mistake, they are valuable because they're human beings created in the image of God. Yep. Yep. And this God loves them. This God has a purpose for their life. This God has a plan for their life. And just like they are valuable and loved by the God of the universe, so is that unborn child they're carrying. Yep. And God has a purpose for that child's life. God has a plan for that child's life. And, and I'm so grateful to be uh, to be in a state like Oklahoma, where I know there are so many resources waiting for them. There are so many faithful, and I'm proud to say faithful Baptists right, in the state of Oklahoma who are ready to, to welcome them in, to give them what they need, and to help them right where they're at to show them that they're not alone, to show them that they're valuable, and to show them that God loves them. Amen. So good. So good. Well, uh, mark your calendars now, February
0: 7th. You'll want to be part of this Rose Day, an important, important time. It's a free event, no charge. Go to roseday.life. You can find out more about Josiah. Josiah, as we end here, how how can we pray for you and your ministry and your family as Oklahoma Baptists?
1: Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, uh, being a student minister, uh, we always need your prayers, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you can also be praying uh, just just for my family as we're transitioning back to Oklahoma. We've been here a little under a year. So, um, love serving at the church where we've been, and it's been great. But we're still kind of you know in those new phases uh, of growing and knowing our church and, and learning them. And then also, Hoping and being able to jump into pro-life ministry here in Oklahoma, so I just say just be praying for those transitions for us. Be praying for my wife as she uh, is doing a lot of care for my child right now, yeah. Um, yeah. and and just uh, our daughter as she grows. Good word. And you do have a speaking ministry. You from time to time take
0: on events and yeah, yeah, pr- uh, yeah. pregnancy center banquets and that yeah. kind of. That's a great
1: great yeah. menu. Yeah, yeah, and I'd word. love to so, I'd love to connect with whoever needs help if they're looking at trying to start pro-life ministries in their church or anything like that, I'd be happy uh, to sit down with them and and maybe talk through some opportunities or some ways they could do that. Perfect. Josiah Presley, thank you for
0: sharing your testimony. Uh, Go to baptistmessenger.com, find out more about his incredible testimony, listen to podcasts, and then tune into roseday.life and we'll be sending out more information again. Thanks again, brother. Thanks for having me. God bless. This Messenger Insight has been brought to you by the Cooperative Program and Oklahoma Baptists. To subscribe, find us on Spotify, the iTunes Store, or your preferred podcast platform. Visit us at baptistmessenger.com today. Oklahoma Baptists, advancing the gospel together.